Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The unmissable Sky Black Friday sale has arrived. Get Sky Q with the TV you love all in one place. And lightning fast broadband with our best ever Wi-Fi all around your home. Plus, choose from Sky Sports or Sky Cinema. All for just €60 a month for 12 months with no setup fees. Don't miss out this Black Friday. Just search Sky Black Friday. New customers only. Availability subject to location. Minimum terms and further terms apply. For more info, see sky.ie slash speeds. Offer ends December 9th. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast, the pod that's glad that at least one rugby tournament is getting to the business end of the season, at least. <laughs> Although I quite mean, when I that business one... end started, starts for the Pro 14, no, I'm, I'm I mean, 100% sure. I for, one have in- I for one have enjoyed the absolutely pointless two weeks of just doing stuff for the sake of it that has been the Pro 14's brief return I, 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 I think it's, it's completely pointless in that it has been nice to see some rugby we recognise and feel a little bit invested in for a while but it didn't take long for you to start going I'm not sure what the point of this is well ultimately we've had what two rounds 12 games and nothing on the table except for playoff places and all of those playoff places were basically set in stone anyway so so much know. to do though isn't it Scholars did, the Scholars had two bonus point wins and didn't manage to sneak into the last playoff place because Monster won one of two games, you know that, and that was the only thing that was really up for grabs. More uh, on this later, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be miserable about that later. We'll try and keep oh, it yes. up for the first five minutes. Um, <laughs> I am Lee, as you know, and over there is I. I remain Josh. Just you do about. remain Josh. So, yeah, so we've already been a bit of rugby this weekend, obviously. We will talk, we've, yeah. we've watched that. What else have you been up to this weekend, Josh? Anything, you know, people like to know, uh, neither of they don't. I, I want to tell them. Oh, well, I, I actually went away for a couple of days to like, a place not. that wasn't my house. I did. We went did you to go to Zante? We didn't go to Zante. No, I was not on any planes, uh, and nor will I be for some time. But no, we went to the New Forest for a couple of days, stayed in a hotel. 
Is that the one down the south coast of New Forest? Yeah, by sort of. I always get a little bit mixed up between that and the Forest of Dean. Because the Forest of Dean is the one off the A40, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. 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 No, it's very nice, very pretty. So lots of tall trees. Um, Yeah, it's nice. It's just nice to be somewhere that wasn't. Yeah, it's just nice to be somewhere that wasn't my house, to be honest. Very good. What about you? Well, you know, been at home. Me and Laws came down, first time they visited for, for quite some time. Obviously, because well, I don't, you know, my wife's sister is um, has multiple health problems. We'll leave it at that. So, mm. but she's so she's been super, super, shielded, yeah, yeah. super shielded. One of the things that she's got is Addison's disease. So, obviously, should something like COVID get hold of her, that would be a significant problem. So, um, yeah, and it is, you know, and it's it's worth chucking it out there. We kind of have been quite flippant about these things over the last couple of months, but you know. If you have been fucking shielding for the last God knows how many weeks it's been now, um, and you're starting to make your way into the world again, good luck. Yes, because you do. <laughs> it is fucking nerve wracking because I've basically self isolated for most of the last four or five months, and going out for dinner on Thursday or Friday night was one of the most nerve wracking things I've done this year. Really? It was just, like... just a general sense of. Oh shit! Just yeah, just like fuck me. Like, why are these people not? You know, like why? Are these, yeah, it's this. It's, why it's the are fear these people? Of, full stop. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's the fear of the other and the fear of the not being able to control everything. Which certainly, if you've been mega shielding for a while, I imagine it's pretty fucking nerve wracking. So best of British to you if you are fucking yeah, barking on so that at the moment. Well. But it was lovely to see Sean, who was very happy indeed. to be out and about again, and, uh, and, I and bet. then. And in between, I started watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary again. And why not? Because I can never oh, get enough of it, not? quite frankly. Indeed. They should, what they should do with the Ken, if you haven't seen the Ken Burns baseball documentary, which I imagine most of you haven't, because it's you know you've got to commit to it if you're going to do it. Very what long. they need to do is is make an entirely edited section where it's just back to back stories by Buck O'Neill. <laughs> who was the black guy from the Kansas City Monarchs? Who's about? I'm assuming mm-hmm. about 80 when they made the show, and he's oh, one of yeah, the yeah, best yeah. storytellers I've ever heard. And I'm sure a lot of them are kind of embellished a little bit, but nobody gives a shit because absolutely, ab- absolutely wonderful, and they, they are the best bits. Indeed. So that, that you, was hear, you hear doing. that PBS? We yeah, want we on. want the baseball supercut. I'm paying my three pound fifty a month to the PBS <laughs> channel. I expect you to make tailor made programs for me. That's how these things work now, isn't it? Public public access. That's well, how it works. If you do want to get hold of it, it is if you're on Amazon Prime, it's three pound fifty a month for the PBS channel, which has got that on it plus fucking shitloads of other stuff. If you're a documentary nerd like I am, mm. watch one about the Italian Americans last week. Oh, yeah. History of Italian America. That was very interesting. Stuff what I did not know. Did you know the Bank of America is an Italian company? Did originally? not know that. Well, there you go. I'm not did going to go into that round out now, but watch that program. <laughs> See, I lean more towards the Smithsonian Channel end of things. So it's a lot of. I've not of... seen that. What's that then? It's another one that's sort of hidden. I think it's it's affi- loosely affiliated to, uh, to PBS America. And uh, it's, it's basically loads of kind of. M- the sort of documentaries that you shouldn't enjoy watching, but you do. Aerial America is my personal favourite. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I just have, basically, it? I watched Aerial Britain uh, the other day, which is their sort of British spin-off, Not just because there was nothing else on. Not as good, but it was Aerial Wales, and it, A, made me feel weirdly kind of 
here I see patriotic because it was like, ooh, look at whales from the air. Ooh. <laughs> and the, but then at the same time, absolutely boiled my piss because the guy who was narrating it, despite being English, got every single fucking place name wrong. <laughs> I've only did that on purpose. Probably did, didn't he? Things anyway. from the air, America from the air makes you think of, of one of, of one of my favourite lyrics from the sky. We look so organised and brave. Indeed, and from from America and from the sky, America looks you know lovely and sane. <laughs> Walls were made by barricades and slaves. Is that Springsteen or is that Isbell? Of course it's Jason Isbell. Come on. The only thing's that story in my brain <laughs> Look, now. I, I rolled the dice, all right? It was one or the other. <laughs> anyway, that's what's been the weekend, so get stuck into that. If you want to think deeply about things from the air, then obviously watch programmes like we do. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us to stop watching programmes or at least stop talking about them on the podcast, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud on Lee at bloodandmud.com. And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, and you can't stop us from watching them, but you can probably ask us to stop talking can, about them. You can, That's fair to be enough. fair. I can't say we'll listen to you, but you can ask. No, no, absolutely not. The beauty of this, you know, beauty of free speech in the society is that you can ask. Indeed. We are on Acast, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on all that kind of stuff. We're also on Patreon.com, and I'd like to thank those of you who come into the VIP each week, giving us Legends the that they are. beyond the $2 contribution, the $5 contribution. And this mm. week, we've had, we'd have we like to thank the wonderful Jonathan Fox, who's come in. So you get the, the dubious pleasure of us trying to predict, trying to avoid the very obvious um, prediction of what kind of player you would be, <laughs> given what your name is. But um, I'm going to hand it over to you, Josh, to do this first. I'm not avoiding that at all. I mean, Jonathan oh. Fox is is Jonathan Davis. I'm sorry for whoever he's playing against this weekend, but he is Wales international Jonathan Davis, who's playing club rugby under an assumed name, just for fun, <laughs> just for shits and giggles. Can you imagine that though? Just for just for a little minute, if you if you were just turning out for your local club and, and he come walking out. Well, didn't Richard Hip like? Didn't Richard Hippard like play rugby league for like the? Like whatever, sh- like vaguely shit local rugby league team was playing Nabaravan quite early on in his career, and he took an assumed name and was <laughs> playing rug was playing rugby league on weekends where he wasn't playing for the Ospreys quite early on in his career until Sean Holly found out about it and was like, "Don't ever fucking do that again." I'll make a song about this, and you won't like it," said Sean Holly. Um, but can, but imagine can you imagine if Foxy that, turned though, out? Richard, can I, can yeah, but imagine, imagine like Richard Hippard. Imagine the level. Of rug of amateur rugby league in Aberavon, in, in, in and, <laughs> not you know, just Wales, in Aberavon uh, specifically. I can't, I can't remember who he was playing for. Uh, that was I've, I've got to look it up now. But whoever he was playing for, they had like a couple of preseason games against like fucking St Helens and Leeds and stuff. But he obviously he was you know at at Ospreys level athlete at this point. And right. so, imagine just imagine the people that he was playing at a, a normal level, like just you know people who probably haven't really made it in rugby union who are sort of having a crack at league, and then all of a sudden Richard Ibard at twenty four or twenty five rocks up and starts running at you full pelt, bronzed, <laughs> bronzed, and and tackling you. Full pelt as well, which is probably worse to be honest. Imagine John Fox yeah, Davis walking up. He played for Aberavon Fighting Irish. Oh, brilliant! And <laughs> made one appearance for Wales A in 2003 over England A. Wasn't it like a Ron the Blue Bulls as well and stuff in that in that. 
rugby league they division. Were, there were yeah. some really weird names. My D and T teacher used to be like quite heavily involved in South Wales rugby league, which said a lot about the state. So of he rugby was the league. one, <laughs> literally the one. <laughs> the North Wales, the North Wales Coasters rugby league was based at a D side leisure centre in Queens Ferry. I went for a few <laughs> training sessions with them in the summer, and there was the coach, this little bloke from from Oldham, with a beard called Gerald. He had the, the high, most high-pitched, shouty voice ever. He was all right, though. He ended up coaching Warrington Uni, I think. <laughs> Gerald, weirdly. Don't know what he was doing around here, but he loved it, though. And again, like eight people turning up to training and Gerald trying to put together something resembling a training package, <laughs> bless him. But back to John Fox. Anyway, imagine, well, playing, yeah. imagine playing amateur rugby league, amateur rugby, and rugby he comes you, yeah. out incognito. Jonathan and you think, Davis. And you think, fuck yeah, me. Yeah, Richard one thing. Yeah. Fuck me, their new number eight looks pretty handy. Then you go, what? <laughs> He's playing where? Six foot one, sixty and a half stone. He's of, really, we've said it before, but we'll say it again. He's very big, very, isn't he? He's huge. Even for his stats, absolutely do not do him justice. Like six foot one, sixty and a half stone is big. Hmm. But it's not as big as Jonathan Davis plays. <laughs> exactly, yes. It shouldn't be allowed. It's just 80 minutes of your man, isn't it? Anyway, so thank you for that, Jonathan. Anyway, and yes. also, moving on, we'd like to say, I'd like haven't to say... You got to do, haven't you got to do yours? You see, you see yeah. what you've just done there? Because in the prep, I'd somehow well, gonna... skated over this. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm blank. I'd have to literally freestyle it. And I was trying to avoid that. And you've just basically said, come on, Lee. You don't get away with this. So See, I'm literally going to do I this now as give a stream you, of consciousness. I wanted to give you an opportunity to flex your creative muscles. That's what it was. Uh, okay. Jonathan Fox is a plasterer who plays 12 for Old Smithsonian Channel RFC. Lovely. He uh, won't play on Saturdays too regularly because he likes to do- devote his entire weekends to watching documentaries. Now that's how shit it is when I've got to freestyle something without preparing it. <laughs> I'll never ask you again. I'll never ask you. <laughs> say what you say. This is a signal <laughs> lesson, ladies and gentlemen. If you think that we improvise this stuff, oh, think Lord again. You know. <laughs> if anybody thinks we don't work a bit before this comes on, on air, then now you've just found out that we do. <laughs> I would like to say a gigantic thank you to Josh Gardner for tucking me right up there. And I'd also well. like to say <laughs> a couple of big thank yous, actually, genuinely. A big thank you to Daniel Nascimento, who has upped his contribution in the VIP to a ridiculous level, even though it was already over the minimum level in the first place. So I don't I know mean, what's inspired you to do that, people. Daniel, but I, I, I thank you, honestly. <laughs> Is and it because I keep getting into fights with people on the internet and you feel be. sorry it's, for it's, us? It's a way of support, yeah. <laughs> and also, a, another big thank you as well to Die Perk, our friend over there in America. He knows what he's doing. I won't go into it here. So thank you very much for what you did last week as well. Uh, okay, so we begin with a player spotted, as we of always do. We do. Dan yeah. Ireland gets in touch with what I think we can probably classify as a vintage player spotted. Hello. He begins, does Dan, in 2002, mm-hmm. I was in the North Desian, sorry, the North Devon Leisure Centre using the gym. It was midweek and about mid-morning, so pretty quiet, 
I'd finished my workout and was heading towards the exit. At this point, an absolutely giant bloke walked in. I was playing for my local club at the time, Barnstable, RFC, in case you're interested. At that time, I knew lots of local players and thought, bloody hell, where do I know him from? He must play rugby. All of a sudden, he said then, the penny dropped. It was Martin Johnson. Oof. I couldn't believe it. This was probably the most famous sports person in North Devon since Chris Akabusi came to town with the Super Schools programme. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan says, I decided upon staying for another workout to watch Jono in action. He went through a stretch routine and it has to, I have to say, for a man of his size, his balance was absolutely unbelievable. Don't think that a lot about these big fellas, do you? That it's the stretch really routines don't. and the kind of all that stuff. But of course, they must have it because what they do is incredibly athletic. Particularly yeah, line and also, uh, stuff. Yeah, and requires an unreal level of flexibility and sort of suppleness to put your body through that level of punishment. Yeah. So he says, anyway, I, I finally got up the courage to speak to him and asked if he was on holiday. He said yes, and that's as far as the conversation went. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted it to go any further. No, he didn't. That's, that's, right. that's the perfect Jono definitely wouldn't. Of... He definitely Absolutely wouldn't have wanted it to go not. any further. So. <laughs> I do like Dan that it's uh, that I love the, the fact that you decided to do another workout just so you could be in the gym with Jono. And he must have already watched you, you go that, wouldn't you? He must have, yeah. Jono must have gone. That bloke's not fucking lifting much, is he, for the size of him? Is that because this is his second go around, Jono? That was about when I'm uh, when, I, when I'm cycling and I get passed by somebody who looks kind of older and more unfit by me when I'm in my last ten miles of a seventy mile bike ride. You feel like shouting, "I'm on my way home." This is not the speed I normally do along this stretch. Anyway, so there you go. Thank you very much for your play spotted. Anybody else who's got a mundane play spotted, vintage or otherwise? Yeah. Somebody I quite actually, enjoy the vintage ones, to be honest. I do, to be honest. Yeah, you get. Yeah, yeah we like a bit of retro, don't we? Somebody mm. did say on Twitter the day that they'd they'd met. I can't remember which player it was at a rugby event, and it was a nice fella. And I and I said hashtag player spotted, and somebody came back and said, "Hang on, is it a player spotted if it was at a rugby event?" I'm going to say no. Mm. I'm ruling on this now. Probably not. Yeah, because it has no, to be sort of incidental spottings of mundane things in ordinary yeah. life. Yeah. Otherwise, it can be like a player spotted. I went to the Millennium Stadium and saw the entire <laughs> Wales team and the entire like Argentina team or something. A friend of yeah. ours did do a player spotted of most of the Cardiff Blues squad last night in a bar, which apparently <laughs> wasn't very edifying, the, but we'll leave it at that. I was going to say, they did, they did not cover themselves in glory, let's no, say apparently, that. Apparently, but we'll leave it at that. So, uh, yeah. The, uh, so yeah, thanks very much for that. So please get in touch. You can do leeupbloodandmud.com or the DMs if you want to send your player spotted in. We always welcome them and we always love them. Thank you very much. Mm. Speaking of people writing in, we've got our correspondence section now, which we like because people come in and write to stuff. And it's usually like talking this. about stuff we've talked about before, you know, saying, ah, mm. you were talking about this, so I like this. Oscar Turner gets in touch on the Patreon messaging. He says, interesting you mentioned Papa John's pizzas. Now, this was all as a result of the... Hello. The yep. glorious Papa John's pizzas thing last week, and I've got another thing on that that I've just I've just remembered. I need to read out as well about Papa John's. <laughs> Don't let me forget. And we're done. Full of um, Papa John's content this full Papa John's. Anyway, this week, yeah. Back in 2019, apparently Papa John himself had a highly yeah. publicised breakdown and ate 40 pizzas in 30 days. <laughs> God knows what that does to you, Oscar says. During the breakdown, he vowed a day of reckoning. He says, I can't help but think that this deal with Rugby League is part of his day of reckoning in some way. <laughs> Not sure how yet, but it will all work out, I think, at some point. If you type in if you type in 
John Shatner, which is Papa John's real yeah. name, and or the Google Papa, complete, as we like to call it, indeed, or the Papa. Um, he's basically, I think, he's the fourth option on the Google Complete thing is John Shatner Day of Reckoning. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's basically claiming that since he got kicked out of uh, Papa John's for being a bit of a racist, um, he claimed that he ate... This is the thing. He basically was eating all of these pizzas, claiming that they weren't as good as they were when he I was in see. charge. And, yeah, the way they're making pizza is just not fundamental to the way Papa John's makes pizza, says John, for some reason. I mean, so you trying to tell me that not only are the Super League getting no money for the Papa John's sponsorship, they're also they're getting not as good as they used to be non-endorsed by the Papa pizzas <laughs> yeah, at half time he's dis- and the like. He's dis- he's literally disavowed his own pizzas, which is quite a thing. Fair play. Now, obviously, so thank you very much for that Oscar. We obviously talked about the fact that. Super League had no money, just pizzas, which we think we worked out probably cost uh-huh. about 300 quid a week or something to Papa John's as an organisation. Yeah, an to... embarrassingly small amount of money, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Pete Elder get, got in touch after that, and he said, one, he confirmed that James Graham is back at St. Helens after me having a bit of a complete fucking wobbly over whether or not <laughs> I could remember that. He says, however, and he's playing brilliantly, so that's good. He said, anyway, this isn't the first time the Super League have had a sponsorship fiasco. The title sponsor for 2012 was was Eddie Stobart of the trucks. Yes. Which brought in, also brought in zero pounds. (laughs) Instead, Stobart liveried a number of their fleets promoting all 14 clubs in the Super League at the time. Three for each club was what they got, and a handful of generic ones. He said, however, you... the only good part was trying to spot a truck for your own team as you were driving out and about around the, the country. That's... I mean, how much does it cost to vinyl wrap a truck? <laughs> I imagine Again. he's got a pretty good deal, Mr. Stobart, with whoever exactly. the spray he's, painted. He already, yeah. He's probably got his own... Like, they probably do their own vinyl printing and stuff. That's probably literally probably cost him about four or five grand <laughs> to do it all. And for that, he's got the title sponsor of the entire goddamn league. I mean, it makes the Rabbit Direct Pro 12 feel a lot more big time and sensible, if I'm honest. So, yeah, so Super League officially shite at sponsors. and uh, Really bad. Papa John Shatner awaiting a day of reckoning with it. I mean, it sounds a lot bigger <laughs> than just the pizzas aren't very good anymore, I mean, doesn't it? He seems like... Have you ever seen the... Uh, when lockdown started, he got well into... Um, one of Snapchat or TikTok, one of the two. Who did Papa? Um, yeah. Why Shatner. do you? I mean, you know a lot about Papa, the Papa. I find him a, I would, fas- I find him a fascinating. <laughs> I've uncovered something here. I didn't think I would. That you've obviously lunatic. been following Papa for quite I, some time. I just find him fascinating. Um, but yeah, he basically got well into one of the social networks that I'm not engaged with because I'm too old, um, <laughs> and was giving people uh, tours of his mansion which is and it's worth googling it's what probably the most tastelessly decorated thing i've ever seen in my life it's really? remarkable like, <laughs> is it like a gigantic show home from 1991 it's it's, uh, it's more of a sort of like pretend you know when people try to be posh and fancy and they yes. just end up gilding everything 
Yes, the Tony Montana approach. Very much Tony Montana, just like statues and frescoes and gold leaf and ornate chandeliers as far as the eye can see. And not not a single surface not full of some sort of incredibly tattooed. 100%, yeah. But sort of a mock kind of Venetian palace from the 1600s. (laughs) It's absolutely, unbelievably atrocious. Now, I think we should have a feature every week where you report in on what the Papa's up <laughs> to every week. What's Papa up to? <laughs> Let's do it. Back to the correspondence. Thank you to Oscar and to Pete for letting us know about all that stuff. Indeed. Hamish comes in on the DMs on Twitter. He says, I really enjoyed your discussions of Scotland's magnificently named but moderately talented Sam Hidalgo Klein last week. Mm. He said, but I noticed his short stay with Racing last year was when the top 14 bodge managing their shonkily batshit YouTube channel as well obviously felt his already magnificent name wasn't magnificent enough. And he right. sent me a still from when he scored for Racing and it said, check out this caption of the 81st minute try he scored against Poe where his name is Samuel Peter Hidalgo Klein. <laughs> I mean, why not? Which is definitely a consultancy firm, says Hamish. <laughs> It absolutely is, yeah. Samuel Peter Hidalgo. I'm I'm really upset that they haven't continued that mix of names, and he isn't Samuel Pedro Hidalgo Klein. That would have been, that would have been no. perfect. Although you know he's gone biblical name, you know prophet, um, you know all strong name. names, solid names, yeah, you know. So thanks very much for that, Hamish. Paul Johns gets in touch on the DM, referring back to a conversation of a couple of weeks ago when we talked about. Remembering playing for teams that had no actual decent place kicker. Yes. He says, I'm, I'm a week behind on the pod because there's no commuting lockdown, so I'm slowly having to catch up more slowly. And I have a story about playing in a team without a reliable kicker. This was my high school third 15 back in the early to mid-90s. Now, back then, yes. kick, kicking it out from a penalty meant the other side threw in. So there wasn't much benefit from doing it. Mm. And there was no sin bin at the time for foul play. Our I feel only like these things too might might be related. Yes, here we go. <laughs> Our only goalkeeper was away for one match, so every penalty we either kicked out or we tapped it because there was we, we had no kicker. Then we noticed, says Paul, the other team was doing the same because they had no kicker on the pitch either. He said so the defensive consequences soon became obvious. The minute either team got into the opposition twenty-two hideous foul play would promptly ensue <laughs> to prevent any scoring opportunity whatsoever. The game became a sort of rolling brawl between the middle 50 metres of the pitch. And as a winger, I have very little to, to do. In my approximately 35-odd years of playing the game, this is the only nil-all draw I can recall playing in. Because <laughs> nobody can kick goals and everyone's just shooing the shit out of each other. <laughs> That's... Oh, you talk about unintended content. Every time people talk about changing laws, I'm sure you must think, well, hang on a minute, I remember that game I played (laughs) in the early 90s. Sometimes law changes make sense and are for the good of everyone. (laughs) But but let's be honest, who wouldn't enjoy that a little bit, though? What little bit of you wouldn't enjoy watching a game like that? I mean, yeah, there's a big big part of me that would enjoy that. I'm not sure I'd enjoy playing in it, but I'd enjoy watching it. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe as a winger like Paul, you could just start, you could stand on your phone, see what the Papa was up to, where everyone kicked the shit out of each other. And finally, well, no, a couple of things before we get to the final bit in the in the correspondence. Lots of cocktails chat hasn't there been on here about pints of Chinese yeah. and Dr Peppers yeah. and and snake yeah. bites. Andy and Brum gets in touch and he says, "Re strange and soul destroying and horrifying cocktails." 
We found two bottles of Two Blue Wicked and a double Archers in one pint glass. Tastes exactly like a Mr. Blue Freeze slushy. Take your word for it. It didn't seem alcoholic at all until you obviously until you tried to walk or talk, says Andy. Then it became a bit problematic. Yeah. Oh, Blue Wicked, is that still a thing? It is, yeah. I've had teenage parties at my house for my children where there's... What you tend to find is that for, for days afterwards, there's just a slight in the air, a miasma in the air of, of, of dark fruits and Blue Wicked. And Echo Falls, all the kids drink Echo Falls, not actual wine Echo Falls. Have you seen that Summer Fruits Echo Falls drink, which is no. a wine-based drink? It looks oh like it's in a God. wine bottle. It's pink. It looks like rosé wine. <laughs> my, what is this? My daughter I, had some friends. Got I got old, man. I know, yeah. Well, why would you? It's like 7% because it's not really wine, but it is kind of wine based. But it's only about, I think it's only about three and a half quid a bottle or something. So, I mean, I have no doubt it's awful. Yeah. And then my daughter made a terrible mistake the other week of thinking that somebody had bought her a summer fruits wine based drink, Echo Falls, when it was actually a normal bottle of rose. And she got absolutely shit faced and ended up spewing because <laughs> it was normal strength wine, which she didn't quite get. So it happens, you know, you've got to learn these things. You do have to learn these things. Um, John Pate says, finally, speaking of cocktails, whilst at university, one of the union bars would do a pint of black beard consisting of rum, coke, and Guinness. Rum, oh, coke, no. and Guinness, ooh. Oh, no. Which was surprisingly good, apparently. <laughs> not by okay. judging by Josh's face right now, John. That does, that does not sound appealing to me in the slightest. But, you know. Each of their own. You don't try these I things. do find that uni- union bars in particular have some really weird cocktails, usually well, pint versions it, of them. Because everyone's drinking for effect in a union bar, aren't they? I don't think they're drinking for effect, they're drinking with intent. How can I get <laughs> pissed in the quickest <laughs> yeah, way possible? Exactly. You know, nobody's drinking there to sort of enjoy, to sample the delightful flavours of a you know a, a fine IPA or a, a, a no. nicely aged. In the nineteen nineties in Teesside, we had a pint of something that was called Pink Kangaroo. That was our kind of union drink. I can't remember what was in it now. There was definitely a snowball in it, Oof. and there was definitely white lightning in it. Yeah, I mean, I mean just, yeah, it's not a good start. Whatever else went in it, that's not a strong start. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm loath- I can't really imagine what else you could put in it to take the edge off. <laughs> anyway, finally, mm. in the correspondence section, we are now, Josh, at the point that we really always wanted to be. I think as a podcast, yeah, in that we are now having people writing to us directly with military animal nominations for us to discuss. Honestly, this is the this is what this podcast has been built into for the last five years, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like long we've may it continue. It. Yeah, I'd like to thank Jonathan Hodgen, Ke- Hodge, Hodgen, yes, Jonathan Hodgen, Kieran Ricketts, TAO Whiteboard, and a few others who I couldn't quite remember because we got nominated so often. <laughs> to who have this week drawn our attention to the dog Kuno. Who this is hot Indeed. off the press. Kuno has been awarded a bravery medal this very week. Has yes. Kuno. First thing we should know about Kuno, unlike these other animals we've been dealing with, Kuno is in the special boat service. Exactly. He's, he's an SBS dog. He is he's not hanging around a ship waiting to get sunk like that fucking cat the other week. <laughs> he's not effectively supervising piss ups in Scotland like Bamsa the dog. No. This one is this lad is the fucking real deal. <laughs> He's harder than the coffin nail, isn't he? He doesn't look about in the bush. So, yeah. what's the story so, with uh, Kuno then? Yeah, 
it's quite a thing. It's quite a tale, you know. He's a three-year-old Belgian shepherd Malinois. Which looks uh, fucking cool before you even start, which by does the way. look very cool. Uh, he was employed during an SBS raid on a compound during a foreign mission, which is lovely and vague. I love that, because it's um, SBS, they can't say where they've yeah. been. It was in a foreign land. Under grenade and machine gun fire from an insurgent. They've somewhat given that away there, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kuno tackled the gunman, allowing the mission to be completed successfully. He was hit by bullets in both back legs, with part of one limb having to be amputated before he was flown back to the UK. He then became the first UK military working dog to be fitted with custom-made prosthetic limbs. Yeah, that's right. He's a fucking bionic dog. He's Robo-Dog. Yeah, and he said there's, there's photos of Kuno now. Uh, right, yeah. said looks cool as fuck anyway because he's like this brindled, hard-looking, like skinnier, <laughs> tougher-looking like... Alsatian type thing. Belgian he looks like you ripped your, your fucking face off. He really but he's does. also now got um, like prosthetic legs back on his legs. back legs. Yeah, so Made he looks like a sort fiber. Of, he looks like a fucking like double hard version of Puss in Boots. <laughs> he does. He looks like a sort of Robocop dog, and I'm absolutely here for it. I'll still look so proud. Good for him. Indeed. Indeed. He's won the uh, Dickin you know, Medal. Yes, which is the uh, which is the PDSA's Dickin Medal, which was instituted in 1943, and it is the uh, uh, the highest level of military gallantry that an it's animal. The VC for animals. Can be. As the, as they Basically, it is. Yeah. Tell you, there have been uh, 71 recipients of the Dickin Medal since it was brought in in December 1943. Do you know who else uh, was was a recipient of the Dickin Medal? Go shoot! Only, only our old friend, bloody rifleman Khan. Of course, he was. He got one of those. Other than that, it's mainly like since nineteen forty three. It's mainly been dogs, pigeons, uh, the odd horse here and there. Um, there's been one cat, right? Cat's not very awarded. brave, it would seem. No, one cat awarded the medal. His name is Simon. Uh, who was HMS Amethyst? Which is a wonderfully ships... banal name. <laughs> yeah. HMS Amethyst ship's cat, who was awarded the medal for gallantry under fire and for the disposal of many rats despite shrapnel injuries during the Yangtze incident in 1949. Now, Simon has got a hell of a story, and he is, and I say this without exaggeration, both an absolute babe and a badass. Listen to this, right? Simon was found wandering the dockyards of Hong Kong in March 1948 by 17-year-old ordinary seaman George Hickenbottom, a member of the HMS Amethyst crew. Uh, Simon was approximately a year old at this point and was very undernourished and unwell. He smuggled the cat aboard ship and he soon ingratiated himself with the crew and the officers, particularly because he was very good at catching and killing rats on the lower decks. Like that already. Uh, he, he rapidly gained a reputation for cheekiness leaving the presence of dead rats in sailors' beds and sleeping in the captain's cap. What a lad. <laughs> the crew viewed Simon as a lucky mascot, and when the ship's commander changed in 1948, uh, the new commander, which, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how the Navy works, but, like, um, basically, this boat has a captain, but that captain is a lieutenant commander. Don't get it, whatever. Um, so... The new captain really liked him. He's a man called Bernard Skinner. Took uh, in his first mission was to command the Amethyst to travel up the Yangtze River to Nanjing to replace the ship on duty there. However, halfway up the river, the ship became embroiled in what was called the Amethyst Incident, when a Chinese field gun battery opened fire on the frigate, uh, and one of the first rounds tore through the captain's cabin, seriously wounding Simon the Cat and killing Lieutenant Commander Skinner, who died after his wounds soon as that. Listen to this, though, right? Mm-hmm. Badly wounded, the cat crawled on deck, 
and was like fucking Rambo or something. Um, was rushed to the medical bay where the ship's surviving medical staff cleared, cleaned his burns and removed four pieces of shrapnel. He was not expected to last the night, but not only did he survive, after a period of recovery, he returned to his former duties and this, and i got to be honest, fuck this guy, by the way, in spite of the indifference faced from new captain, Lieutenant Commander John Kerens. Fuck John Kerens. Yeah. Honestly. While anchored at the river, the ship had become overrun with rats and Simon took on the task of removing them with vigour as well as remo- <laughs> raising the morale of the soldiers. Following the ship's escape from the Yangtze, Simon became an instant celebrity, lauded in British and world news and presented with the Dickin Medal. Uh, he's the only cat to win the award. He also awarded a Blue Cross medal, the Amethyst Campaign medal, medal sorry, and the fanciful rank, I don't think there's anything fanciful about this, by the way, of Able Sea Cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After disposing of a particularly vicious rat known as, and this is a little bit racist, Mao Zedong. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what though The reason why cats I was thinking about this Because I did see Simon I didn't know you were going to talk about it today But I did read a bit mm. about Simon It seems that cats can only be brave When it coincides with stuff they will be doing anyway Anyway, absolutely In dangerous like, conditions Yeah It's like, oh, so you want me to catch a load of fucking rats, do you? All right, yeah On this shit I was going to do, right. I was gonna, I was gonna do that do anyway Do I get to sleep wherever the fuck I want? Because I was going to yeah. do that anyway Oh, brilliant Because you imagine you saying something You know what cats are like? You know, see, there's a yeah. battle coming. Oh. Get ready. The cat will be like, "Yeah, but I, w- I was going to go out." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. So. I'm not. Not going to do that. So. Yeah. Also, I mean, yard. Don't give. It, of but, course. Yeah. I mean, you know, but they are. But the I, cat, cat is as cat does. Yeah. Exactly. And he looks. You look at the photo of him, and you just think, "Yeah, none of this has, has been done for anything other than your own benefit oh, yeah. and enjoyment." And you know for a fact that, you know, unlike dogs who would probably just, like, weep at the side of their fallen comrades, cats would just start eating their eyes, wouldn't they? They would start well, feasting I mean, on them. <clears throat> well, I mean, he was in the captain's quarters when it got fucking torn to bits by shells and the captain died, and he didn't try and pull the captain out. He just crawled. He, was, he crawled <laughs> Unlike out Unlike Rifleman Carr and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, he fuck, was like, you, fuck that guy. <laughs> yes. Fall behind, left behind, pal. <laughs> yeah, he probably <laughs> emptied his pockets of all of his catch and then, and then dragged himself out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Simon became such a celebrity that the boat had to promote uh, to appoint a cat officer to deal with the volume of posts that he was getting in terms of fan mail. Oh, what must um, that guy have done wrong? The cat officer honestly, guy. <laughs> he's up there with the goat major as a person who's <laughs> fucked his life, isn't he? It's just like, how much fucking trouble would you have to be in to get the two worst? Yeah. You get posted to Guam or you get to be the cat officer dealing with cat mail. <laughs> Cat fan mail. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Simon died in quarantine coming back to the UK, though, which is quite sad. Possibly as a result. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. possibly as a result of infection caused by his war wounds. Uh, possibly the, as a result of being poisoned by his own cat officer, probably. Maybe that too. Hundreds of people, including the entire crew of the HMS Amethyst, attended his funeral at the PDSA Ilford Animal Cemetery in East London. His gravestone reads, In memory of Simon, served in HMS Amethyst, May 1948, November 1948, awarded Dickin Medal, died 28th of November 1949. Throughout the Yangtze incident, his, his behaviour was of the highest order. Fair play. I'll tell you what, you so, know, in this troubled world we have now, you know, and the, and the problems that are facing yeah. all of us and rugby as well, you know, I take a great lot of, so, you know, it does good, it warms my soul to talk of these, these animals who put themselves forward. Me too, absolutely. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a rare ray of light in this shitty little world. But yeah, so congratulations to uh, 
to the latest recipient of well done, of the Kuno. Dippy medal, Kuno, absolute double hard bastard. And uh, yeah, and, keep, and we keep tip our in. hats to frankly the selfish pig that was Simon. <laughs> Simon but yeah. you know, you know, nobody questions right place, where right this, the motivation comes from, do they? You just no, do indeed. your duty. Indeed. Snap, snap. At AIB, we don't make technology for you to bank. We make it for you to live. Just watch. So you can apply and get a loan through your AIB app or online. All from the comfort of home. Banking to fit the way you live. AIB. We back doing. Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Pick up your phone while driving and you might need to be picked up from work. Break the speed limit and you could be breaking plans with your mates. Leave L or N plates off your car and you could be left getting taxis for the next six months. So ask yourself, is it really worth it? Seven penalty points over three years will disqualify learner and novice drivers for six months. Steer clear of points and stay on the road. A message from the Road Safety Authority. Right then, we move on to the news. Not much news this week, really. <laughs> no, um, it's all gone a bit quiet, isn't it? Um, there's, there's more chat about the Pro 16 again, isn't there? Yeah, and there's also there's, the powers that be are still deluding themselves into thinking this Eight Nations thing can actually work. Um, Japan have pulled out, haven't they? Japan have pulled out, and now they're claiming that they're going to get the Springboks involved, which seems even sillier given that South Africa's already pulled out of the Pro 14 for COVID reasons. Just give it up, gang. Just Or have a word with Georgia or any of the places that you might actually be able to get people to come. You know, it's just... Just get a grip of yourselves, everybody. This thing is not a good idea. I know we all need cash, but I just don't think it's going to work. See, I just think I don't know why they can't just run a trial of the All Star Game with with different nationalities already based in this country. Yeah. Why does it need to be you know Japan playing this? Forget that. All of the foreign mm. players or something from the yeah. Southern Hemisphere All Star Game versus whoever's a North. Bring some people over from France. Do something. At least one weekend. Honestly, there's Be better than a Barbarians been, game. Yeah, way better than a Barbarians game. Sorry, Barbarians, but you know. <laughs> you know now. Like, yeah, honestly, it's just silly. But yeah, that's and they're talking again about, you know, chucking all the South African teams into the Pro 14, which, honestly, I don't see the point. Like, there seems to be a lot of resistance from over the Irish Sea to a British and Irish league. And which you know, I understand where they're coming from from that point of view. And the Irish, it seems, would much rather have the South Africans involved, whereas everybody else would much rather have the a British, British league. Athlete. Yeah. So, eh, who knows? Who knows? I think it's very difficult to predict anything. Fuck knows. About anything Absolutely. Like, and we'll probably talk God about this knows. when we come to actual the actual you know action over the past week. There's a kind of thread running through all of this about stop trying to apply normal rules to, to yeah, situations this is not- that. Yeah. Think that this is not a normal time. Things are not normal. I tell you, who else is not normal. Actually, on the news front, James Ryan is not normal. <laughs> Just come on to that. Speaking of bionic things, James, <laughs> James Ryan. James Ryan, who was out was for basically Kuno weeks, the dog in human yeah. form. <laughs> he was out for twelve weeks. What three weeks ago? On the third of August. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a month ago, he was out for twelve weeks. Uh, on the weekend. 
He took part in the warm-up for Leinster ahead of their game against Ulster, and he's now in contention, as is Dan Levy, uh, for next week's Pro 14 semi-final against Munster, which, to be honest with you, they really need that you know the, that extra depth because if the last couple of weeks has shown anything, is that Leinster desperately need two more test-caliber well, players. Enjoy your week, Munster fans. Something to look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, but what an achievement if they manage to actually, you know, turn it over with this, you know, Leinster team that has literally everyone. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Not, not if you're a Leinster fan, but, yeah, you but know. Who cares? Yeah. You've indeed. had too much success. Exactly. Nobody likes winners in this country. Funny stuff. Nah. I don't know if you like winners in Ireland. I can't only speak to the country I'm in, but nobody likes them in this country. <laughs> no, they hate them here. Tall poppies, mate. Don't that's like it. <laughs> that's why we're all dancing a little jig of a little jig at the state of Leicester, which is, <laughs> God, is not nice for Leicester fans. However, when you've had to f- suffer it for so long, then a bit of a, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. If uh, don't if you if people are enjoying your demise, it's probably because you were very good at one point. Yes, to an annoying degree. So, yeah, so he's probably going to be back, which is, well, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say, like, you know, credit to him because I suppose you can't help the way your body heals, I suppose. And maybe absolutely, not. maybe the original prognosis was just simply too pessimistic when they've looked at it again. But it's still, well, he, he never stops being remarkable in his achievements, does he? Indeed. Um, other than that, I mean, it's weird doing, because we're recording this on Monday afternoon. Bank holiday Monday, and uh, I mean, there's there's actual rugby going on again now. Oh yeah, like I forgot Bath. about that. Yeah, Bath are play. playing. Uh, Bath and playing Wasps oh, as we as we speak, and, and London, London Irish, Irish played Saracens. London Irish got absolutely tonked by Saracens earlier. Couldn't have predicted that one. Uh, no. Um, and yeah, Wasps are in the situation where all of their hookers are injured, and then they had a prop who was prepared to play hooker but then he they decided before the game that he wasn't prepared to play hooker it's it's all very confusing basically and Bristol well, we're kind of moving into the weekend chat now aren't we and this yeah, is in, well, Bristol went and had to go and do an emergency loan of a tight head didn't they before the uh, game they, on two, Friday two props they had to bring in emergency uh, short term contact basically we're a week now into Premiership's Player Welfare Smasher 3000, and it's already <laughs> verging on. Well, it's not verging on. Sponsored by absolute... Papa John's Day of Reckoning. <laughs> well, it's already absolutely impacting the integrity of the competition this year. You know, last week we had Leicester throwing their academy kids to the walls against Bath, and this week we had this absurd situation where the second and third place teams are going head to head in the last couple of weeks of the season. And one team is basically at full strength, and the other one has, uh, you know, and has 20, half a dozen Springboks, and most of the rest of the twenty-three are being full internationals. And the other side's got ten academy players in the starting fifteen, including five debutants, a load more debutants, including two players that were signed the day before off the bench. And it's like it's, it's not to excuse the piss poor effort that Bristol put in, to be honest. But if you think Pat Lamb sent that team out there with anything other than the expectation of them getting absolutely battered. I mean, uh, you're very you're kidding yourself. I don't blame Dimes. I don't blame Lamb. I don't blame anybody, but whoever decided at the Premiership, but between the Premiership and BT, that this was what the end of the season should look like for you know 
integ- integrity of the competition reasons that you know we had to play a full season, even if that meant playing a game every four days, which we currently are. And I'd kind of it's forgotten just... that was happening. You know, when you kind of look at what's on telly, you look at the fixtures, and I was like, oh shit, there's like three games on tonight on like a Tuesday night mm. and stuff. Which I, I'll be honest, I'd kind of it had escaped my consciousness until last week and the week before, and. And it is that thing about where you go, oh, God, well, this will go brilliant. I've got some rugby to watch on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And then within 10 minutes, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, you have to kind of turn your eyes away from it because it's kind of so awful to watch. It reminds me of well, my, um, when I was I played cricket in my late teens for a local club. And I remember once there was like two nets that we used to practice in. And I remember once accidentally, and I don't know how, I ended up bowling in the first team net. <laughs> so basically me doing my like passable off spin, which people who were like my age and in the second and third team would, you know, not exactly struggle with, but it would be something like a game of cricket. I had to just stand while they, the first team repeatedly smacked it into what would be Jupiter if it wasn't for a net being in the way, basically charging down the wicket and absolutely twatting it over, over, over the whatever. And yeah. it just it felt a little bit like that. It's like all these players have accidentally found themselves in the first team net, rolling like throwing pies up there for the for the, the openers to twat. Yeah, and that's exactly what these midweek games have become, and particularly because there hasn't been any sort of like agreement between the teams that oh, we will you know when it gets to this point of the season, you know, you have to play X amount of players with, you know, this much experience and you know so we have a situation where that foot that sale team on the weekend was full strength it mm. was Ludi Yaga it was Faf it was Manny Tulagi it was everybody and it was the strongest 15 they could possibly field and Bristol as I said 10 academy players five debutants a load of more debutants off the bench some lads who've been dragged out the pub at 10 o'clock that morning yeah Tiff Eden starting at 10 Ooh. you know it, it was you know, it was an Irish did the same today. It was nine academy players starting against Saracens today, and obviously they were on the end of a fucking forty-point hammering as well. But at least for Irish, there's fuck all left to play for, really. You know, with Bristol and Sale, that's a game that should have been one of the games of the season. But like, you know, it's bottom versus nearly at the bottom for Saracens and Irish. Honestly, have a look at Cowlin Englefield, the lad the Irish, the scrum off the Irish debuted off the bench today because he literally looks 12 years old. That's not a real name either. Uh, <laughs> I hope not, but apparently it is. But have a look at Irish's replacement nine today. He genuinely, if you told me he was 12, I would not <laughs> bat an eyelid. And he was coming on to play against Saracens. And it's just, there's the player welfare thing is a whole other thing because this is what teams are being forced to do in order to actually get through this fucking shit show of a period. But I like, think, I think in the abstract, it seemed like a, it's difficult to know, is it? Because in the abstract, it yeah. probably seemed like a reasonable idea. The, we'll just get the rugby back on and we'll, we'll get the season done. And because it's short <laughs> yeah. and then there's a break and people can recover, it might not be too bad. But the reality of it is, is that it's just, it's increasingly, it's increasingly becoming unedifying it's absurd. in some ways. I mean, yeah, it's been, it's I just... mean you know, um, Bristol Exeter was a great game. There's been some good games yeah. popped in between. That was a genuinely good game. But at the, um, and it's hard to know what could they have done instead because then you get into all kinds, there's, there's, it's, you know, this is one of a selection of imperfect solutions, isn't it? Because they could have said, well, who's realistically fighting for the top four? 
let's just let them play fixtures spaced out relatively normally. Everybody else's season's over. With Saracen's yeah. already down anyway, it don't matter. And we'll just figure out a way of dividing I, the prize with other people. Even if they were going, if they, they if they wanted to play this, you know, silly number of games and two games a week, they should have just had a rule that every team has to have a maximum and minimum number of kind of players with X number of appearances in the squad for each game. So that every game was basically a blend of first team and academy lads. And that could have actually been quite interesting because it could have brought through some, you know, new, young, interesting players that come sort of put their hands up right at the end of the season to make things interesting. But instead, you know, you are we're seeing too many of these games where there is full-strength teams going up against basically academy teams. And it's not fair and it's not nice to watch. And no matter how much BTT might want to wave their flag and say, you know, oh, this game's a statement, this game's a statement. It's not all fucking meaningless. It will make absolutely no difference to what happens in the playoffs in a few weeks' time. It's just... Even Dimes was looked fucking dissatisfied by the whole thing, to be honest with you. Like, he was just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, we didn't learn a fucking damn thing about Bristol from this game, did we? Mm. Because, you know, none of those players will be involved next time we play them. And it just, yeah, it's as you say, it's quite unedifying now. And it's, um, I wouldn't say the Pro 14 feels quite as unedifying, but it, I suppose it's unsatisfactory in some ways. In that, because it's just been really odd. The, this like Pro 14, what would you call it? It's the a cameo. Kind of, it's a combination of of a, of of a season warm up and a race to the playoffs at the same well, it's time. Effe- it's, it's a really bizarre thing. It's effectively pre-season for the teams that still have something to play for, and an end-of-season jamboree for the teams that don't. And that's and... why I'm not too worried about Leicester. I mean, it was, it's Leicester were pretty, but I know I've jumped back to the Premiership, but Leicester, it's a similar mm. thing. You saying that's reminding me of Leicester, in that I wouldn't be too worried looking at them now because they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But Let's see, who's good. There's, there's nothing to play for, so you might as well just put see what, which part of my squad I want to trim even further before we actually get going again. Yeah, and speaking well, sorry, of which, to the Pro you know, meet meet the new Ospreys who are broadly the same as the old Ospreys because, you know, they've played as strong as the teams as they could basically field for the last two weeks and it's very obvious there's such a dearth of quality in that team compared to the other region, aside from the obvious Alan wins Tipperich and, you know, George North when he's not fucking clattering people and getting banned. Like... The squad needs a massive clear out and an overall, and I just don't know when that's going to happen. I mean, Watkins just... played well. If it wasn't for Owen Watkins, well. I'd be terrified of what that score might have been. Actually, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Uh, that uh, midfield together a bit. Really, and T is... T and Thomas Wheeler's a tidy player as well. There are a couple of tidy players coming through, but they're they're stuck with this legacy of just a clueless recruitment policy that allowed a lot of really good young players who could have become, you know, serviceable players in this team. You, you know, Tom Pretty, David Howells, Matthew Morgan. That lad at St. Know, Helens. Yeah, that lad at St. <laughs> Helens. Um, could all have, you know, been... And, you know, we, we had to bring one of them back. Uh, you know, Nicky Thomas and Matt Prothero have both come back to the Ospreys this summer after being ditched and being told to fuck off and find somewhere else to go. In, you know, while the brass were obsessed with sort of overpaying into Welsh internationals that either barely played for them or passed their prime. And now... Toby Booth's got this squad that's just full of those players, and like the vast majority of the budget for the squad is being spent on, you know, 
respect to him, but players like Dan Lydiot and Bradley Davis, you know, these are playing George North, fucking hell. You know, these are players that have very little to offer the Ospreys in when they're not with Wales. And it's like, what are they really doing? They're just here on big money to 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 see out the last couple of years of their their professional career, and I don't see how much they're adding to it. It's a big. It's just. It really did show, you know, versus the Blues team that are not very good, to be honest, and they were well fucking beaten. I watched that game, and I, um, and the distinct both sides, particularly with the ball, the screaming and clangingly loud noise that was coming from them having no pattern whatsoever. None at all. Of any phase whatsoever. There seemed to be nothing to sort of say, well, the first two phases we try and do this, and then there was just absolutely nothing. And, and compared to some of the teams that you do watch, where you can see, I mean, some of it is a little bit over-elaborate, isn't it? The screen running and the and the one three three one and all that stuff. But at least there's something you can recognise as a coached pattern in attack. Yeah, you know, through and phases and watching it was just and I suppose it comes back to this the point I just made this strange warm up stroke race for the playoffs you don't expect exactly. to have all your patterns hammered down in pre-season do you <laughs> yeah although you could especially argue Ospreys the Blues, with a new you know, coach you know yeah you know the Ospreys have had you know Brock, Brock James has been there for like what three weeks it's kind of acceptable in a way I suppose but at the same time John Mulvihill has been at the Blues for like 18 months now like yeah. but you t- <laughs> You remove the fucking excellent Wales winger that basically creates all of their scoring chances and finishes a lot of them. And there wasn't a great deal of, of well, stuff there to really write home about, was there? Uh, speaking of the Ospreys, I've become increasingly fascinated with Alan Wynne Jones' comb over. Oh, he's, I, he's I fighting said this on the text. And nobody's, bra- nobody's brave enough Do you to think somebody tell that guy. could be brave enough to pull him aside and say, Alan, you know when you look at it in the mirror and it looks like it's covering stuff up, you need to understand that from range, all you can see is scalp. Once you get more than 15 feet away, all you can see is, you know, you listen, 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 I know it's upsetting, but I was about a video call you and I'll go up in the stands and I'll show you what it looks like from up there. Because he can't know. Is... He can't know that that's, that's, he's just basically bald from distance. I think he does, but I just I, the thing that I find fascinating is that for so long in his career he wore a scrum cap, and nobody was any the fucking wiser. Oh, of course he did, didn't he? I forgot. <laughs> yes. And then literally about sort of you know three or four years ago he was just like ah I'm going to stop wearing the scrum cap now, and everyone went ooh. Do you think he was told that the scrum cap was causing more follicular loss? Maybe if and if he's that bothered about it, genuinely, he's got a few weeks off now. Have a word with Xavier Rush and his hair replacement clinic in Cardiff. You know, just I mean, get I don't know how he's not been. Con- I mean, the the Oscar-winning level of acting that you see in that advert with Shane Warne and oh Darren my Goff. God, that's so bad. <laughs> Which one did you go for, yeah. Warney? I went for the. <laughs> you were a trailblazer in that way, weren't you? Oh, God. That's right, Goffy. <laughs> I had follicle by follicle hair done. Oh. And, the, and I always watch that and think, and they were the best takes, weren't they? That's with all the editing and all the best direction they could do. <laughs> this, was, this, this was your best one, where you're just like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe on. that's how they speak. 
Maybe it is. Maybe yeah. it is. Mighty, is Darren Goff still on that um, white, white, white Van Man sport radio, whatever it's called? I uh, don't know, probably. Where him and that sport. Adrian, what's his name at tea time, would just say, you know, I think Deli Ali's a twat. Why don't you ring in and tell us what you think, sort of thing. <laughs> I've got no idea because I really try my hardest to not listen to talk sport if it's all possible. Well, they get the Lions, don't they? They obviously save all their pennies up to get the Lions oh, radio broadcast. That was don't they? so upsetting when the, uh, I had to listen to talk sport when the Lions were on, because it's so fucking bad. <laughs> and there's an advert for fucking Tool Station or yeah. Or screw fix literally every five minutes. And I don't need that. I know where screw fix is, believe me. <laughs> I basically hand about twenty percent of my salary over to screw fix on an annual basis. So And also screw fix is really easy to find. There's loads of them. Yeah, and they even deliver now, five pounds. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the same day. Think about that. Argos delivers Jeez. the same day now. They don't sponsor us, I'm not telling you this, but I was genuinely no. I went I was looking at our microwaves on the blink. Looks for a new mm. microwave, and it said available for same day delivery if you order it before eleven a.m. <sighs> See, now that's talking. probably not new to you because I think Amazon does that in Bristol, don't they? But that's a revolution in provincial you North can, Wales. You can get a very, very few things prime same day, but not many. I think you can get a lot more in that there, London. But like, yeah, same day is magic. That shouldn't be. It feels like something that shouldn't happen. I think I they've obviously find... got a suite of a, a fleet of vans at the back of Argos, your local Argos, who just. As soon as it comes doing in, they just, fuck all at the moment. So they're just, like, just getting the van. Yeah, Same with Iceland. They don't have online delivery, Iceland, do you? You basically go and do your shopping and you say, Can you bring this home for me, please? In Iceland. <laughs> Honestly, God. And they give you a number and say, Yeah, it'll be three o'clock this afternoon. And then you can God, go about do it? your shopping, go home, and then Iceland man turns up later on. I had no idea that was the thing. Oh, yes. Marvelous. They say to wow, when you check- I, just assumed, I just assumed it was like fucking everybody else's home delivery thing. No, no. But they no, were trailblazers no. in that regard. I went in Iceland last week for the first time in a long time. They've opened a food warehouse, which is an Iceland thing, in Flint. And I went in genuinely quite surprised by the quality. And also, I like to have a good stock of questionable origin chicken-shaped things in bread in Completely the freezer. Agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As spicy as you can possibly get them, obviously. The hot and spicy version. Yeah, and there's no better place, no other supermarket can compare with the selection of questionable origin <laughs> chicken-shaped things that are no, because it's the it's it's the it's their raison d'être, you know, like Asda or whatever, you know, they'll they'll dabble in the you know chicken-shaped yeah. thing, but you know it's not what it's not what they're there for. Iceland, you know, if you want your frozen spring rolls, that's that's and what the they're frozen fucking there fish for. selection is very, is very good. good. High quality stuff as well, apparently. Costco do king crab. I've never been to Costco. And if somebody who loves America as much as I am, it's genuinely My wife's got me. a card through work. So you can go this and you can ever. buy yourself some king crab, 900 toilet rolls. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like one of my like one of the most exciting places I'd ever go. <laughs> I, genu- I genuinely love to go. But our nearest Costco I'm is not paying Elsme- for it. Our nearest Costco is in Ellesmere Port, which is like double the excitement. Imagine the excitement. <laughs> anyway, back to so mm. that. I'll start off with AWJ's hair. Bless him. Just, yes. you know, but he don't give a shit, does he? He's massive and he's hard and he's cool. He don't care. But yeah. um, imagine how much more intimidating he'd be if he bicked that, though. He'd look like an absolute psych. He'd look o- O'Connell-esque. Yes, he would. Maybe that's why he's not doing it. He wants to be a different maybe kind so. of intimidating maybe. presence. Maybe, maybe. 
Anything else on the weekend? Uh, speaking of intimidating presences, Tiffy, uh, or lack, no. lack thereof, <laughs> um, spe- uh, I find Steve Diamond's means of solving his team's chronic breakdown penalty issues really interesting and very funny. Because like, they were, what, conceding like 30 penalties a game for the first few weeks. Hasn't every and team, so- even this weekend, considered an, a, an average of 23 penalties a game? It's not going well, away, is it? Well... On the weekend, they only conceded, I think, six. And you know how they did that? And no. Dime said this. Dime said this when he was being interviewed mid-game. He basically said that the only people who are allowed to compete for the ball are Ben Curry, Tom Curry, and the hooker Van der Merwe, and everyone else in the team is banned from competing. Like they decided in the week, you're not allowed to go near the ball on the deck. Do you know what? I think that's quite a very, a very good I think it's strategy. Very, actually, it's, it's very clever because and, you, you know, because you wouldn't say you know the only put you know you're all allowed to fucking kick for touch, would you? That wouldn't be allowed. Yeah. So why are you all allowed to compete for the ball? Basically, if they're not there, you're only going to fuck it up. Just get in a defensive position and wait for the ball to yeah. be recycled. It's genuinely quite clever and good coaching. However, what is silly is then publicising. The fact that you've only got a breakdown threat from three players on your team, like mid-game, in the first week that you try it. Like, if he'd have just kept his mouth shut, it might have taken teams a couple of weeks to work out that the only people were <laughs> who were actually competing at the at the breakdown were the Currys and Van der Merwe. Now, everybody's going to know that if they can either run at them to get them away from the ball or just make sure that they're nowhere near the breakdown or hold them in the breakdown or whatever, there's no threat of the ball getting turned over. That reminds um. me of when, when back in the 90s when Sheringham was at Spurs and, and Spurs had this corner where they'd hit it to sort of the the nearest the nearest point of the 18-yard box and Sheringham would run across it and volley it mm. and he'd score. Mm-hmm. And in, this was the days of like technical punditry coming out. Mm. The... Um, Somebody said that they, I think it was Andy Gray back when, you know, people didn't realise what a toss he was, said, if you watch, if you watch Teddy Sheringham for the corner makes this signal at whoever was taking the corner. And that's what he does it. And basically Jerry Francis basically roped to Sky saying, you know, it's fucking hard enough to find things that people, you know, ways of breaking down defences without you. And you always think that when you do punditry, you think, fucking hell, you're just giving away everybody's secrets here. It's interesting yeah. enough, but ethically, is this the right thing to do, by the way? <laughs> but then for Dimes to do it himself, like, it's a very <laughs> yes, smart bit of coaching, and it's a very Dimesian kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, Jerry Francis going... didn't come out and go, yeah, yeah. just watch Teddy Sheringham, he does this thing with his <laughs> But like, yeah, it's like, well, if you're not, I can't fucking trust you lot to do the breakdown properly, then fuck you all. You can't do it. It's incredibly Dimesian. But like, yeah, like they could have had weeks of this. And now I I have faith in the Premiership's ability to analyse and be naughty that they're probably going to find a way to make this annoying for him. Got this vision of a, well, Mike Forshaw's the defence guy and he probably got into Dimes' office, you know. What, what, Mike? (laughs) I've noticed. (laughs) Steve, that everybody, this breakdown, <laughs> everybody is rubbish at it. <laughs> you need to fucking sort it out, Michael. Uh, right. Anything else yes. on the weekend? Tiff Eden, let me talk uh, about Tiff Eden, right? Let me talk about Tiff Eden for a minute. <laughs> who seems like an elaborately curated kind of spoof to me. 
However, I'm conscious he's quite a young man. He's a young man. And, you know, I'm sure he's got some talent. So I don't want to go in too hard. But let's just say I am... he is not representing that very well at the minute. <laughs> and I tell you what's made things worse is that last week when he came on and was crap, um, he's he's born in nineteen ninety four, right? So that makes him what twenty? No, hang on, twenty six. Yeah, it's not that young. Jesus, I thought he was younger than that. No, so that's no so excuse he's... for either the hair or the way he's playing. I take it all well, back. This thing last last week he had a, a long flowing sort of, you know. Jacobean poet sort of thing going on hair wise with this tight flowing and between this week and last he's had that shaved into a long flowing Jacobean shaved on the sides mullet yeah which I mean talk about compounding your errors a sort of high class indie 500 look yeah it's very Talisega isn't it and it's very Kenny Powers actually hugely Kenny Kenny Powers. Powers But Kenny Powers seems like he was a better athlete. Um. And Kenny Powers is, of course, a comedy character. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Which I suppose yeah. is why Tiff, Tiff Eden's done it. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know he's he's made a twenty a twenty six or whatever, making your debut in the Premiership at last, and then being this bad is a bit. You feel for the lad, but fuck me, he's not good, is he? No, he really is not. <laughs> Really not. The fact Sorry, that they let got... tiny, tiny they let tiny you and Lloyd come on after like forty five minutes and play ten against fucking Tulagi, and it was just like, why did Denny Solomona only get thirty five minutes in that sale game? They kept saying, oh, he's used his thirty five minutes very well, and he's off. It's like, is this... I, I, did do you know? It's Adam Jones esque, isn't it? I don't know why though. Is because I thought is this a, is this a Corona thing? I'm not taking breaks every twenty minutes. Is is there only a certain amount of playing time allowed each week for each player or something? So he only, had, he only had 35 minutes left on his tachograph like a truck driver. So they had to, <laughs> he had to go for a sleep in a lay-by after 35 minutes. Uh, don't know. Sorry I interrupted you there when you were talking about no. composure and I mentioned Tiff Eden. I think you were going to no, talk about something me. else. Uh, oh, Connex Forwards. That's what I was going to talk about. They mm. probably needed a seminar this week about what is and isn't a high tackle. Because... I mean, for poor like Papili, fair play, you know, it was his debut, he got a bit carried away, he went high. But then, not even waiting 10 minutes later for the hooker to come in and put his elbow in Stander's throat, it's just like, guys, come on. <laughs> let's not let's not compound this. Playing against 14 minutes for 80 minutes, 14 for 80 minutes is a challenge. Playing against 30 for 80 minutes is not a challenge at all for any team, I'm sorry. Shall we go on to shit good now? Uh, we definitely should. Have you got anything for shit that you haven't already mentioned? Uh, one nice try, and I'm already fucking bored of the Harry Potter jokes. Just stop it. It's not funny. What? Have, what? Have, not... I've missed this. Harry Harry Potter, the new Leicester signing, scored a very nice try on the. Oh weekend. yes, sorry. Yes. And invariably, the jokes, there. the jokes were as Awful. predictable as they were boring. And I, that's one try. Did you hear the other week when, speaking of Leicester, when Austin Healy said about substitutes coming on at certain times, which I agree with him, and he said, it's too empirical for me. (laughs) And Nick Nick Mullins... That does not mean what you think it means. No, so Nick Mullins (laughs) went, what? It means what? 
and it, it's what it's what Oz sort of thing. And then <laughs> and then Ben K waded in, and then about five minutes of play went past, and and obviously Austin Healy couldn't let this go. When it came, when it was another breaking play, he said, "Well, I thought you'd know about the Empire, Nick, seeing as that's where most of your clothes come from, from the time of the Empire." He said, "So it's no, no one, no one wonder you've got a problem with the word empirical." It's like, well, that's the shittest joke I've ever heard. That's one of the and worst I, jokes. I, that's one of the worst jokes that anyone. Nick Mullins wonderfully created. just went, "I don't have a problem with the word empirical, Austin. <laughs> you do." <laughs> just carried on commenting. But lovely. It, it's a little window into Austin Healy, I think that he absolutely has to get the last word in, doesn't he? And he mm-hmm. cannot even be the slightest bit humiliated in the in the hashtag no. banter. Even in his, his own, by totally fucking up and putting you... You could just put your hand up and go, yeah. don't know why I said that yeah, word. You could meant, just go, I, yeah, I should stop using words I don't understand anyway. Let's go back <laughs> to whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, Austin. Indeed. One day, one day you will become the person that you... So yeah, Harry be. Potter. Uh, yeah. Harry Potter, bored of it already. Shit, uh, what have we got here? A rugby, per- a rugby person gets in touch. He says, shit, is the lack of mullets in the Ulster-Leinster match? Sensible haircuts all round, lads. That's what I like to see. It's very Leinster, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's, it's very, you weren't allowed to have your hair below your collar. Otherwise the, not, otherwise the seniors not, would kick the shit out of you. I will say, there's not an unsensible haircut at the Ospreys either. So Alan Wynn is clearly kind of, he's laying down something there. Uh, Owen Glendor gets in touch. He says, shit is having to look at each team sheet to see which of the clubs involved in each match is actually gives a shit about it before I decide whether to watch it or not. <laughs> yeah, we'll that's the mistake a I've made, Owen. You're right. That's yeah, the mistake yeah. I've been making. You look at the, you look at the team sheet, you, you see who's going to win and then you decide if, if it's worth it. Because of my aversion to watching warm-up stuff, I just turn it on as it's kicking off. And I think, oh, look, the rugby's on brilliant. And then, of course, then you're like, oh, God, this is terrible. But, of course, if I'd taken your approach and half an hour before gone, look at these teams, oh, sod that. I'm watching Ken Burns baseball again. (laughs) Um, Speaking of this weekend and shit things, uh, what's shit is the first thing that people do when Chris Ashton finishes off a fantastic try is moan about him doing the splash. I mean, seriously. We're still doing this. We're still here. Let players have some fun. He's also in the last year like... of his career. He's just having a laugh yeah. now. Leave him. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're being worked like prisoners of war in this ridiculous season anyway. So stop fucking moaning about them having a bit of fun. God. People just don't like Chris Ashton, do they? No, they don't. Fair enough. But he's allowed to do what he wants. Also, yeah. fair play. After me trying to retire him a couple of weeks ago, Mike Brown was very good on the weekend. <laughs> he was. Ashton again, just being Ashton, wasn't he? No matter yeah, what yeah. age he gets to, he's just beautifully tracking runs all the time, all over the shop. Yeah, all over the place. Perhaps we've got here. Curtis Neese gets in touch. He said, shit, he's being a Northampton supporter at the minute. I tuned in from Krakow Airport, only to see them again spend 80 minutes dropping the ball like soap and leaving the gate open. Holiday effectively ruined. Well, you can't base yeah. your holiday on whether or not your rugby team wins. If I base my holidays on whether my sports team wins, I'd just, well... Oh, I can't imagine. I would never have had a good holiday in my life. Um, shit for me, actually, is the end of the Wales Sevens. Uh, probably for good. They're claiming it's just for the time being, but let's be honest, I don't think it's going to come back. They weren't that interested um, for a while anyway, were they? It's well, that's not... the thing. Well, the Sevens have been neglected and a disjointed joke for the last five years, really. But it's a sad end for a team that was, you know really important in developing Welsh talent at one point, you know, Reese Webb, Justin Tipperick, Alex Cuthbert, James Hook, you know, 
all these players, Corey Allen, they all played for the Sevens and then made it through to uh, to be four Wales internationals. And, you know, let's not forget to go from World Cup winners to non-existence in 11 years is quite a decline. Yes. Uh, what else we got here then? Housebound Hot Stuff gets in touch and says, shit, the mismatch quality of teams in the Premiership, yeah, love seeing a mix of young and old heads, but perhaps we could do with the minimum number of appearances over each 23. Uh, yeah. Something you've made a point about, Josh, yes. Mm. But yeah, so our readers are as wise as you are, which is worrying. Um, <laughs> Dave Price gets in touch and says, shit, I've just, had, I just got used to watching rugby that I think I care about, and now the Pro 14 season is over. Never mind the playoffs. So it's over if you're a Welsh person, I suppose. Yeah. But then that was the case like before those matches happened. So, I don't know. Honestly, it's just a bit weird. It's Sh- all so weird at the moment. Speaking of Welsh and the Pro 14, Sean Troy gets in touch. He says, shit, is the second year in a row with no Welsh rep- representation in the Pro 14 playoffs. This is also why people laugh at Wales when they claim that the Pro 14 is a shit league and that the English want them in the Premiership. By people, you mean Irish people, Sean, don't you? I'm guessing. Yeah, <laughs> he absolutely does. But it's a I mean, fair point, I, I suppose. It's a fair. It's point. a fair point. It's a fair point to an extent. Uh, I'd like to see the Irish teams open up their books and show them how show us how much they're spending on their squads. And I, I'll always come back to that. Plus, there's only four. A... There's only a certain number of teams can get into the playoffs. So somebody well, exactly, has to, and there's yeah. no there's, there's there's no guarantee that anybody from any nation should get in. I suppose. No, indeed, and the playoffs are, you know, the, the way the conference structure is, is put means that, you know, anything could happen. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd be glad to chuck the Pro 14 in the bin and try something different. I don't blame Irish fans for thinking that they've got it pretty fucking good at the moment. Hmm. So, yeah. Ian McGilp gets in touch. He says, shit, is Edinburgh versus Glasgow a turgid slog of a game? He said, however good was the absolute highlight being Rob Harley audibly counting down after the use it call. A few people sent this in, actually. Did you see this, the Rob Harley thing? I did indeed. And the fact that just someone finally drawing attention to that and the fact that refs almost always ignore it was glorious to see. Now, can we have someone drawing attention to the fact that this whole quick tap flying wedge thing that Exeter and Sale and a few other teams have started doing for penalties close to the line is absolutely 100% illegal because they're all binding before they've made contact with any opposition player. But and nobody's was, I mean, fucking like penalising The flying anyone. wedge, penalty for a flying wedge is as, is as old... <laughs> it's so old. As, ...as being banned for, you know, taking money. You know, it's it's like the oldest <laughs> penalty in the world. And that's what the problem is. They've forgotten what it is. Maybe. But I just keep looking and I'm just going... You've got three men bound to a man who's, you know, that is, by anyone's estimations, truck and trailer, flying wedge, whatever you want to fucking call it. And just refs just ignoring it. Remember and they just going, got caught oh, this... Well, they just, you know, every time the commentator sort of, they, says it, it's like, oh, it's so effective, it's so hard to stop. It's like, yeah, because it's fucking clearly illegal. <laughs> Somebody please comment on that. I was just going to say, do you remember when a few, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about, I can't remember which player it was, he got caught for doing anabolic steroids, and we thought, is oh, it yeah, because it's it, gloriously retro, is it because yeah. it's such an old sting that they don't even bother testing for it anymore? <laughs> it's a bit like this, this is such an old penalty that refs have forgotten it's illegal. You know? um, it's like feeding. <laughs> yes, it, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I love Rob Harley. I'm glad he's back in our consciousness. He's not quite an international level player, but he's just so gloriously no. like old school as the blind side. Absolutely. And the fact that he was shouting it in an incredibly strong Scottish accent somehow <laughs> made it better as well in my world. Completely agree. Uh, Tom George says that um, shit. Well, he says it's kind of. He says good is Gloucester versus the young half versus young halfbacks, but shit is Gloucester versus any experienced halfbacks. That mm. first half of that Gloucester Leicester game. Honestly, man, I, I tweeted it to him. I said, "Have Leicester actually seen rugby before? Because it doesn't look like they have." <laughs> and, no, and this is the thing. It's impossible to have any kind of sure idea whether Bath are this bad or uh, whether sorry Leicester are this bad yeah. or Gloucester are this good or who who's good yeah who, who knows I and don't, the thing I, I is don't a lot know of people are complaining about this the, the state of it and it is however what and I'm saying this to myself as well what did everybody expect you know you are coming back from an unprecedented situation trying to do your best with it and it turns out it's not exactly perfect <laughs> Long way from yeah. it, in fact. But I suppose no, true that. we have to just be a bit more philosophical about it. I think I know it's easy for us, you know. Not something we're very good at around here, but uh, we'll give it a go. Mm. Anything else for you from shit before we move on to good? Uh, no, yeah, I think I'm done for shit. Uh, good for me, scrum half special for me. Lloyd Williams, I mm. thought was very good at the weekend. Maybe always oh, very on... tidy. Always oh, very yeah. tidy. I got into a discussion with a Cardiff fan who said, "Well, you obviously don't watch him very much." I said, "No, nope, I hold my hands up. I don't." But when I see him, he's always tidy and impressive. And he said, "Well, he box kicks a bit too often. His, his service is a bit too slow." So, all right, fair enough. That probably explains why, you know, he's he is where he is. To be honest, but yeah, I enjoyed watching it at the weekend. Gets the Gets the ball away, lovely, sniping sniping when he needed to. Also, what a signing Ben Spencer has been. Big style, yeah. For he's, Bath. He's totally transformed that. And it's weird to think they haven't had bad nines. No, like, no, far from it, yeah. And weirdly, that one game they had, admittedly they lost, but they had that one game where they had Reese Webb, for, and he, he played about 30 minutes, and instantly... They looked way better with Reese Webb than they did with anybody else. And it does sort of make you think, oh, maybe all that was missing there was just a really good scrum off. But I, th- I suppose it's, I mean, it's really, I- I'd noticed how good Ben Spencer was, but I suppose you often sometimes think, is it just the Saracens thing? Does everyone shine exactly, brighter in a yeah. Saracens shirt and all that kind of stuff? It's, and it's, quite, it's genuinely quite rare to see a player sort of go from Saracens and look like he's taking it to another level because you usually just assume that he's probably just going to mainly because up until very recently nobody ever left Saracens unless they were rubbish (laughs) (laughs) whereas now they're they're in the weird position where and you look at you know the the players that have left Saracens to go to other clubs in the premiership this season have all looked good you know his equates look very good for Mm-hmm. Uh, Northampton, Ben Earls looked very good. Ben Earls were very handy, yeah. You know, Malins has, has been decent, and, you know, somebody else has gone as well. Has somebody got the Harlequins? Somebody's got the Harlequins. Can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, but who, all of the players that have kind of left Saracens have gone, and it's been, yeah, you know, they, they've looked very, very good. But it does sort of remind you <laughs> that it's not normal for us to see players that are actually good. Leave. It's mm, a good point. Yeah. And go, uh, go somewhere else. Oh, Nathan Hill. Nathan Hill, who's gone to, who scored on the weekend. Have you got any goods? Uh, goods. I thought uh, 
Sam Simmons, remember him? Yes. Worcester, Worcester, Worcester absolutely will not forget about him in a hurry. Um, yeah, it's it's. Remember when he played for England very briefly, and he looked like he might be very good, and then just isn't ever going to get near that England team again. I don't think now. No, he's he's got a your so club fifteen written all over him, hasn't he? Yeah, big style. And again, nothing wrong with that. It just is, you know, nothing wrong with it, but. It's nice. He, you was feel in- for him. he was injured for a good part of a six-month period, wasn't he, Sam? He was, yeah. And I do think that he's he's lost a lot of his, uh, you know, he's lost that sort of window that he had. Yes. You know? Also doesn't but, um, quite look like he's got the carrying beans. Of a test level, no. At that level. He's a very... Well, that's the thing. A lot of people were thinking... That he could be a seven or a six, and now England are fine there. Yes, indeed. What else we got? Let's go here then. Ten Ep gets in touch. Says, "Good is that Rodney Parade looks quite nice in the summer." He says, "I don't think I've ever seen a match there in daylight before." No, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Especially on a nice sunny day. I did see the thing that was a castle for a little while in the corner, which they abandoned. That was quite wistful. <laughs> And remembering yeah. the cat, the great the castle that they did in the corner. J Mask OC gets in touch. He says, "Good is Aki versus Dialende. No side, yeah. no sidestepping allowed." Dialende and both of those players in, you know, Dialende just is unsubtly brilliant. You know, he's such a handful. What do you do when well, he runs through players like level he was, as well? I don't yeah, mean that when, in the kind of that's not what I'm saying is at international level he just looks like he doesn't look as good a footballer because no, he, I feel like he's more comfortable trying things in a monster already. He looks a better already. footballer at Monster, mm. yeah. Not that he looked bad at rugby re- before, but you know you know what I'm saying. Fuck no, but he's he's got that thing of he's happy to throw the odd pass here and there, which he doesn't do a lot of at test level, let's face it. And Aki, whether he was sort of playing number eight or playing at, th- at 12 or 13 or whatever, he's just such a good player, such a fucking abrasive player. He's loads of fun to watch. He really is. What else have we got here then? Thorv in the red gets in touch. He says, good was three Scottish tries in the Premiership this weekend, but shit was there were only two tries in the actual Scottish game that was being played. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh... H. Davy Wright gets in touch. He says, "Good was Amy Perrett, the first woman to ref a men's Super Rugby match, Brumbies versus Absolutely. the Force, at the weekend, which is yeah, good, all good stuff. You know, shouldn't be news and all that, but it is, and we have to recognise it for what it is." Then, however, he said, "Shit was the commentator on said match, starting his intro with how many children she's got, rather than her rugby achievements, and also talking about those things in the social media." Yes, indeed, <sighs> which is why it is news because there are still people who do mm. stupid shit like that. Yeah. Reese Knott says, good is Ollie Thorley. Yes. Uh, yes. A bit of a ridiculous half hour. Patricia. <laughs> yeah. At least. I kept thinking I was looking up and watching a replay. No, no, you thought, oh, is that a replay of, a, of, a, of the try that just happened two minutes ago? Oh, no, it's another one. Oh, okay. Um, oh, Patricia yeah. says, good is Bundyaki, particularly how terrifyingly fuming he looked for the whole second half. At one point, it looked like he was going to eat Chris Cloty. It was great. It was, as somebody said, it was, fuck it, I'll do it myself with another order from Aki. It was. Wasn't it? In the like, face of position, what his team What position did. shall I play here? Fuck it, I'll play them all. How many people I... do you want me to smash into? 
Sean Kerwin also refers to that. He said, good was the professional rivalry between Cloherty and Aki. Rumour has it they had to take a large ashtray off Cloherty to chair lug off Aki when they finally went off the pitch in the second <laughs> half. It definitely had that vibe. Have you got any more goods there? No, I think I'm gooded out. We're gooded out. You're gooded out. We've recorded this much earlier than normally on a Monday. What would have been bank holiday? So you'll have this out a bit earlier than, than perhaps you would expect. Mm. And uh, we will speak to you all soon. Thank you, everybody. There's a, a, a patron special on the rugby history of the Rugby Sevens coming out tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, it's this week anyway. So look forward to that. In between, get yourself down to the Smithsonian Channel, obviously, if you want to catch up Absolutely. on some more history down there. Look at things from the air, that kind of thing. Why not? That's what I'm going to do right now. Other than that, that's it from us. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Snap, snap. At AIB, we don't make technology for you to bank. We make it for you to live. Just watch. So you can apply and get a loan through your AIB app or online. All from the comfort of home. Banking to fit the way you live. AIB, we back doing. Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only, subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.